0: Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord all you as saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Those are verses 19 to 24 of Psalm 31, which is the psalm appointed for today, Friday, March the 4th, 2022. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along. Um, Today we're looking at Um, Deuteronomy 7, verses 12 to 16, which follows on from yesterday's reading in Deuteronomy as well. In John's Gospel, uh, chapter 1, verses 35 to 42. And then ultimately in Paul's letter to um, Titus, chapter 2, the first 15 verses. So remember yesterday, what Moses had done was was remind the people who they are and and why they are. (laughs) A peculiar people. Um, that they are the people who were chosen out of all the earth because God loves his people. And then now they have been given a specific job, and that's to make him known where they are. They're to move into the land, possess the land, but they're to keep his rules and commandments in order that it might go well with them in the land. And so here we have now the follow-on to that. And because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, You've heard me say this before, that that in uh, Exodus 19, the people's response to God's gracious offer (laughs) to be his people, having brought them out of Egypt, and now here they are at Mount Sinai. So the the thing that, that Christians don't see and don't understand from reading the Bible, because the way it's translated, is something that's central to the identity of the Jewish people. And that is, is that their response to God in that moment, to his offer, having heard a little bit of what he wanted them to do was, we will do and we will listen. In other words, they committed to keeping his commandments no matter what they were prior to even hearing what they were. And so that's an important and central part of the Jewish understanding of what happened at Sinai. We will do and we will listen. They have committed to following him. And what that says is is that we trust him. We believe, based on everything that he has done, we believe that he's a good God, and so we want to be his people. We trust him no matter the fact that we haven't heard even yet what those commandments might be. We believe that he's the kind of God we'd like to have, and that his commandments are probably best for us, largely because he has shown that he is greater than all the gods of Egypt. And so, He says, because you listen to these rules and keep and do them. And he's hearkening back to that time when they said, we will do and we will listen. He said, because of that, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers. He'll bless you. He will love you, multiply you, and bless you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, your grain and your wine and your oil, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock in the land that he swore to your fathers to give you." So in other words, if we commit ourselves to him, if we commit ourselves to, to knowing and doing exactly the way he commands us to live, then, then we will receive blessing beyond anything anyone can imagine and you will be in the land that was promised, the land that they had been afraid to go into because they, they went and sent spies and found that there were giants in the land. And, and in their eyes, they looked like grasshoppers compared to them. And so they, Moses is encouraging them after this 40-year sojourn in the wilderness. He's encouraging them and saying, this will happen if you trust him. If you just move into that, that's your destiny, Your destiny is to be in the land, to be in the land and safe, but to be in the land and blessed. But it's only your destiny if you obey him. And if you do, you shall be blessed above all peoples. I mean, the promise is there, and and it's the same Lord now who has sustained these people in the wilderness for the last 40 years, so they know that they can trust him and that no matter what sin they have committed along the way, yes, they've experienced his judgment and his wrath, but he has continued to be with them through all those journeys in the wilderness. They were not actually wandering. He led them the entire way with his presence in a pillar of uh, cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so that they've learned that they can trust him. Even those who were born in the wilderness have learned something about this God, that you can trust him. And Moses is encouraging them to take these next steps, but to do it in righteousness. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your livestock. The Lord will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you knew, will he inflict on you, but he will lay them on all who hate you. So he's promising health and wealth, right? I mean, that's exactly what Moses is saying is, is that if you do the, all the things God told you to do, if you obey him and, and, and stay faithful to him, then he will bless you in ways that nothing and no one else on earth is blessed in fact you'll be free from the sicknesses and diseases that that are in egypt <clears throat> which would indicate that those are a judgment of sorts and so maybe we need to consider this pandemic for the last 2 years something about god's judgment <clears throat> You shall consume all the peoples that the Lord your God will give over to you, your eyes shall not pity them, neither shall you serve their gods for that would be a snare to you and that, as I told you yesterday that that's exactly how chapter seven begins. It begins by saying, don't intermarry, destroy the people who are in the land, utterly destroy them, leave nothing behind. They would be a snare to god's people and and it's Similar to cleaning out the wild beasts. I mean God's God's taking ownership physically over the land and is is telling them to be the one to throw these people out and to, to remove them from the place. Don't make treaties and of course well they do uh, but nonetheless, the promise was there, but only if they rid the land of the pollution of the gods and the worship thereof who had been there before the canaanite uh, gods in the uh, gospel today remember yesterday john had pointed to jesus as behold the lamb of god that takes away the sin of the world and then he gave his explanation for his ministry which was the, the purpose of it was to reveal the messiah who would be to come and the first person to whom it would be revealed would be john because he knew the sign That he was looking for the sign that God had given him and when he sees that sign now he first knows and then begins to proclaim Jesus as Messiah and so the next day again John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said behold the Lamb of God the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus so that John's job (laughs) was to point people to Jesus and so these two disciples said, well, if John says that's who it is, then why would, why would we continue to be John's disciples? I want to know more about this one that John's pointing to. So the, they heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? <laughs> that's what you want to know? you know, go to Yelp, go to TripAdvisor, go to wherever and get your information about where I'm staying. Really? That's what you wanted to know? and But they they don't know how to address him. And it's obvious that they don't. That they, they come up with rabbi, because, well, that'll work, because he teaches. So we're going to call him teacher. But that's not what they were seeking. They were seeking to know something about this Lamb of God. But they were too startled, probably, to respond well and to respond truthfully, which is to say, what we're seeking is eternal life, and what we're seeking is Messiah. And so he said, come and you'll see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour, so it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we've found the Messiah, which means Christ or anointed one. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Peter, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Petra, rock, all of those things uh, are implicit in that term. And so what's Andrew's first response is to go get Peter and bring him to Jesus. Why would he do that? Well, it's probably because Peter was searching for Messiah. That's what they were actually seeking. And we know that because that's exactly what Andrew says they found. We have found a Messiah. So it's it's that's what they were seeking. They were seeking Messiah, and now, having spent the day with Jesus, they've come to the belief that he is, that he is Messiah. And so it's, it's a powerful statement, but what does it mean? I mean, at this early stage, they don't know. They certainly don't know what it's going to mean for Jesus. They have no earthly idea because they're still thinking in terms, obviously, of this earthly king, one who is to come and to restore the glory of the kingdom. And, and he did, and he's extending it throughout the earth by the power of his Holy Spirit in the going forth with those who are called to his name. So you see this here, the, the very first thing that Andrew felt to do was to go get Peter and tell him we found the Messiah. So he was convicted and convinced after this one audience with jesus that they had indeed found the messiah and so the the most important thing then is to bring other people to that messiah to that savior and it's it's important and it continues to be important for us is it the thing that we have to do to tell others about jesus do we find him altogether lovely altogether wonderful in The Titus passage. Remember, what he's giving is instructions to Titus. Titus is one who he left behind on the island of Crete to organize the church there. And so, what he's doing is he's giving him um, the instructions for how to do that, and and the right people to choose. But he's also here going to give advice for Christians of all um, in all situations. Let's say um, how to conduct themselves. And it's the same thing that John did. Uh, when people came to him after he baptized him and said, what do we do now? And John would say, well, if you're this kind of a person, then, then don't do this. And if you're this kind of a person, don't do this. And if you're this kind of a person, don't do this. So it's, it's how do I apply the good news? How do I apply my forgiveness? How do I apply my salvation to my, to my situation? And so that's exactly what he's going to come into. He says, he says, as for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Be really careful what you teach and how you teach. It's important to do that. It's important that you do this because you're going to come in for stronger judgment if you're leading people astray, and and I'm always aware of that, and I try to be careful about that. Um, Older men, he says, are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine, I don't know if that was a problem, <laughs> concrete or whatever, but the slaves to much wine thing, um, it, it just seems an odd thing to add in there for older women when he doesn't say anything like that about the older men. But, but he says the, the young the older women are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the Word of God might not be reviled. And it's, it's important that our characters speak the goodness of God and speak of the salvation that we have received and the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. There should be something different about the conduct and character of God's people who have God's Spirit. There absolutely should be. There should be a distinction between us and the world. There should be the aroma of Christ about us in every way. We, we, we should be the people who, whose lives can be examined. It's important that we, that we understand that, that our lives actually matter, because we are 24 hours a day, seven days a week, representatives of the living God who has given us life, in Christ Jesus so whatever we do and whatever we say and all the things of our lives matter it, it, it we're his ambassadors always when people look at us they should be seeing Christ within us it's important that we always keep that in mind likewise urge the younger men to be self-controlled well that is not exactly the forte of young men <laughs> Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. In other words, let them look to you to understand what it means to live as a Christian. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. So Paul is is saying, remember... Um, back just a few weeks ago on the Sunday podcast, I talked about Jesus getting up in the synagogue at Nazareth and reading from the scroll of Isaiah and say, today it's been fulfilled in your sight. What he was saying was, is that, that look at me and watch me and, and, and see if you don't see me do all these things. And so what Paul is saying to Titus is is that that we have to be those people all the time. Whether we like it or not, people are looking to us and evaluating our claims about Jesus. Bondservants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. That's your job, is to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. That's, That's the job of life as a Christian. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. It's not just a matter of what you know. It's a matter of what you do. Because you should know it and believe it at a level that changes your life. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness... And to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. It's a it's a powerful thing to think of ourselves as the representatives of God, that we are the, we are the people that that other people evaluate to determine whether or not to follow Jesus. Because they want to see changed lives. They want to see people with different priorities. They want to see people who live differently, who don't live under the circumstances, who live joyous and victorious lives. It's important that we be the people who show that to the world and show them what a great salvation we have received and what great love we have for the one who loved us enough to die for us on the cross.